Welcome back to another episode of Practical Nutrition. I'm Sarah. I'm Cassie. And I'm Alex. And today we are talking about exercise. So you probably are used to hearing us talking about health and nutrition and all the things that dietitians talk about, but we all, all we are all also personal trainers. Um, we have a gym side here at Achieving Your Best, so we are constantly talking about exercise too. Um, so today we're going to kind of talk about you know, what counts as exercise, why is it beneficial, and what uh, the current recommendations are for people for general health, right? So whenever we give you guys information, it's all very general. Um, if you have specific questions, feel free to shoot us a message, let us know. Um, but we are going to dive right in. So, so first of all, exercise is good. Activity is good. Um, I know I personally always like using the term activity as well because sometimes people associate a negative thing with exercise because it's hard or you know you have to make time for it and stuff like that but all of those things are good for you and good for your health uh, when I was doing some research for this I found a pretty well-known review it's called the health benefits of physical activity the evidence it's a little bit older but it still is very relevant in all the things that we do today and they described the support for exercise for health as having irrefutable evidence of effectiveness and I really like that it's an intense adjective yes, it is. <laughs> um, so and that's true there's so many good things that exercise can do for you and for your health and for your weight loss or whatever health goals that you you have um, and so we're gonna kind of go over that so research does show without a doubt no what no matter what your current physical activities are what your abilities are you can gain a lot from staying active and exercise and lack of activity actually presents a lot more problems and health issues maybe not so now but you know in the future than the act of being active for the most part <laughs> um, so um, lack of exercise can lead to more visits to the doctor more sick days from work which equals less pay and nobody wants that more hospitalizations as you age and it can increase your likelihood of being put on medications and nobody wants that right we don't want to take any pills during the day we want to take no pills um, so with disease specifically talking about medications with disease we talk about risk factors and so there's two types of risk factors there's modifiable and there's non-modifiable and uh, non-modifiable risk factors would be things like your age your gender genetics family history your ethnicity so those are things that you can't control you can't modify them and modifiable risk factors include things like your tobacco use your alcohol consumption weight diet physical activity so those are all things that you can control and so obviously physical activity is a modifiable risk factor for many diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, specifically colon and breast cancer, obesity, high blood pressure, joint diseases like osteoporosis and arthritis, and depression and anxiety and those mood disorders too. Uh, and when I found a study, I found a study that was done on adult Canadians and the prevalence of physical inactivity was higher than all other modifiable risk factors that I listed above. Approximately 51% of them uh, consider themselves physically inactive. So definitely something that is probably relevant and beneficial for most people to at least think about. So that's why we're going to talk about it today. Um, so Cassie is going to talk about what kind of benefits regular physical activity and exercise can do for you. Yes, and this is as outlined by ACSM. And so labs and risk factors, exercise shows improvement in heart and lung function, reduction in coronary artery disease risk factors, 
reduced resting blood pressure, increased HDL cholesterol, which that's your good cholesterol. And a lot of people want to know how to increase that. So exercise helps with that and decreased serum triglycerides. Exercise is the only way proven to increase HDL levels and having an HDL over or equal to 60 is considered a negative risk factor, which is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> so a negative risk factor for heart disease. Um, it also has, um, results in reduced insulin needs and improved glucose tolerance. So during exercise, it's easier to deliver glucose to your working muscle. So that's a benefit you get from exercise. Um, and strength training also can help with that. So it doesn't have to just be cardio. Some people um, say you may have um, body aches and pains or feel like you have a lot of weight to lose to feel comfortable doing cardio. You could start with something like strength training and get a lot of the benefits from that. And exercise essentially induces an immediate change in the location of the cell's main glucose transporter, which is called GLUT4, and it allows for sugar in our blood to enter the cell much more efficiently. So it's not hanging out in your bloodstream where it can cause issues, it's getting to where it needs to be for energy. Um, those with diabetes or impaired glucose tolerance can basically achieve instant blood sugar control with the use of exercise, which is awesome. <laughs> so that is awesome, and that's gonna actually help you get to your goals instead of preventing you from getting there that some of those medications can can do so decreased morbidity and mortality is another benefit you'll live longer and that's good and you'll also live better because that's you know you don't want to just live longer and be bedridden because you have osteoporosis or um, not feel good and not have any energy and have no muscle strength to really perform typical activities of daily living so exercise can help you live longer but you also will live better and be able to do more things and be more active and have a better life since you're going to be around for longer. So that's important. It's a good thing. Yes. All right, Alex, hit us with some more benefits. Okay. Physical and overall benefits moving on. So I actually saw a study recently that showed that even 11 minutes of activity can be beneficial. Oh, cool. I know, that's right? Nice. And cool. which we're, I mean, we're going to get into that here in a little bit, but I just thought that was interesting. I saw that last week, I think. So moving on. Um, so benefits, reduced total body fat and reduced intra-abdominal fat. Um, so it does matter where your fat is located. There is such thing as subcutaneous fat, which makes up most of our fat, about 90%. And that's the fat that's like right under Underneath your skin and then we have intra-abdominal fat aka our visceral fat and that's below our abdominal wall and it's found in spaces like surrounding your liver intestines and other organs and that plays a key role in a variety of health issues so at AYB we do our body comp assessments and then we also measure circumference around your abdominal area and that is a risk factor for things like heart disease and that sort of thing. So we like to keep track of that because that plays a big role in overall health. Um, enhanced physical function and independent living in older persons. So getting active as an older person can be beneficial. You keep your lean mass, your bone mineral density much better. Um, you can prevent osteoporosis and osteopenia and those types of things. Um, enhanced performance of work, recreational and sport activities. So again, just being overall physically active can be beneficial for those types of things. Um, reduced risk of falls and injuries from falls in older adults. 
you hear of a lot of people falling when they're older, but starting now doing some strength training, being active can help prevent those types of things as we age. Prevention or mitigation of functional limitations in older adults, effective therapy for many chronic diseases in older adults, so like high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, getting active and being physically active and some exercise can help with that, and improved sleep. That's beneficial That's for a lot of people. I'll take it. We love sleep, but you do sometimes you have to be careful. If I know of some of my clients that if you work out in the evening, you have trouble falling asleep if it's like a really high intense activity. But overall, fitness and physical activity will help you sleep better. So we all love sleep. We do. <laughs> Not only do we have physical benefits, but we also have emotional benefits. So decreased anxiety, depression, and overall stress levels. So we release more of those feel-good endorphins. Um, take your mind off of worries. It's a healthy coping mechanism. So physical activity can be great for that. It enhances our feeling of well-being. We can gain confidence. A lot of times we get more social interaction when we exercise, so that's a positive. And it increases energy levels overall. So the more active you are, you actually gain energy from that. Which is a good thing. That it is, is a, a great thing. thing. And yeah. I love that because so many people, I feel like life is so crazy for a lot of people and going in so many different directions. And so exercise is one of those things that you can do that you can control and you can be successful with. So I know I exercise in the morning and regardless of what else happens during the day, which you never know, I've at least gotten that done and that's a positive thing. So, um, so that's something to think about as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we get this question a lot and a lot of people um, come to us in this state where they, for their health and weight loss goals, they want to focus on nutrition alone. And so we're going to kind of talk about, can you just focus on nutrition if you're trying to lose weight? So dieting alone or changing your nutrition habits, yes, that will probably result in weight loss if you're eating less calories, right? Um, so with that being said, a large percentage of weight loss may actually actually come from your lean mass, so your muscle mass, since you're not exercising, which will lead to decrements in your metabolic rate, making it hard for you to lose further weight. So let's break that down for a second. So when we do our body fat percentage tests on our clients, we see how much lean mass they have and how much fat mass they have, and then overall their body fat percentage. And sometimes what happens is if you're not rebuilding that, that muscle, you know, if you're not exercising resistance training, sometimes we see fat loss, but also muscle mass loss because you're not fueling yourself as much as you normally would. And what that does to your metabolic rate, especially in the long run, is it can slow it down. And that happens naturally with weight loss, but you can kind of prevent that happening a little bit more if you add in exercise. So you're going to be doing yourself nothing but favors if you add in exercise. And you're probably going to speed up your weight loss too. <laughs> so um, including exercise, mainly resistance training will help mitigate losses of your lean mass. It will increase your fat loss. It will help maintain your overall metabolic rate. And it can help give you a lean muscular appearance, which when we talk about like aesthetic goals, right, that's something that we hear a lot is, well, I want to look good. And so exercise can certainly aid in that. 
Um, I found a study, it's, it's a 2012 study published in the Journal of Applied Physiology, and it compared all of the different types of exercise. So it compared the effects of aerobic exercise, which is your cardio training. It compared resistance training, so lifting weights, stuff like that. And then there was also a group that did cardiovascular and strength training together on fat and lean mass in overweight and obese adults for eight months. So it was a decently long study. So let's talk about what happened. At the end of the study, those who did cardiovascular training and strength training lost the most amount of fat mass, which makes sense since they were exercising the most. They had a higher energy expenditure, so their calories in versus calorie out, there's the biggest difference. And then with the resistance exercise alone, that resulted in the least amount of fat loss, which also makes sense because this type of exercise typically doesn't burn as many calories as cardiovascular training, so it resulted in lower fat loss. However, uh, resistance exercise resulted in the largest increase in lean mass, which is good because their metabolic rates were probably affected positively by that. And then followed closely by the aerobic and resistance exercise group, while those performing just aerobic exercise, so cardiovascular exercise, lost um, just a little bit of lean mass. Um, so what does all of this mean? So this tells us that exercise helps to increase, increase the rate of fat loss compared to dieting alone. So again, you're doing nothing but helping yourself out. You're going to do a little bit more than just having to you know, focus on nutrition, but it's going to probably affect you positively. And then including resistance exercise will reduce overall losses of lean mass. And this is a big reason why our metabolic rates decrease so much after losing a large amount of weight. Um, so, all good things, research supports how beneficial exercise can be, especially those who are in a weight loss period. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, gung-ho all of a sudden 150%, but it's just something that you should think about, right? And so now we're going to talk about what recommendations are out there for, again, general health for exercise requirements, all outlined by the American College of Sports Medicine, which we mentioned before. So Cassie's going to go into that for cardiovascular training. Yes, and these are the recommendations to achieve. That doesn't mean that if you are nowhere near this, that we are telling you to go out tomorrow and make this happen immediately. So, so just keep that in mind. If this feels like it's not reasonable for you, set, like Alex said earlier, 10 minutes is, is healthy and can help you. And um, all of, if you've heard of Tabata's, the Tabata research years ago, that's a four and a half minute workout that's shown to be really helpful. And so it doesn't take a lot of time just making some effort to get towards this is a good thing. So, so the recommendations are at least 30 to 60 minutes per day, which is 150 minutes per week, five days a week of moderate intensity exercise. And when, you know, that's, that really depends on the person and your fitness level. So when we say moderate, if you want to think of a scale of one to 10, you know, somewhere in that five to six range, you know, that would be a moderate. So if you also conversation, you can think about that. If, if we're sitting here talking like this in full sentences and sitting in a chair, this is not a moderate effort. <laughs> this would be a light effort. So say you're going out and you're walking and you are able to have a full conversation like this, I would say that's probably not moderate for you. That's probably light or low intensity. And so adding some hills or increasing your pace, those kinds of things can help increase the intensity. So make sure that you're getting getting the intensity that you need because that's important the other stuff is activity which is great but when we're looking at what we're wanting to do for calorie burning and cardiovascular health you want to make sure that you're getting that moderate in 
Um, you can also do, say, you feel like you exercise very vigorously. So uh, maybe you run or you do speed work, you do other things um, where your heart rate's higher and you can only speak in short, you know, a few short words at a time. Then you actually can get away with less exercise for health benefits. That would be 20 to 60 minutes a day or 75 minutes per week, three days a week of vigorous intensity exercise. And so, you know, we in our classes here, those are 45 minutes long and we do intervals or circuits training but you have to think about okay you know is a is a plank and your heart rates maybe down that wouldn't necessarily count as the high intensity part it would be the parts where you're on the bike that everybody loves you know <laughs> getting your heart rate up that would be vigorous so you have to look at that you know and, and focus on the times that you were at that heart rate and we also you know if you do heart rate zones or or if you know what your vo2 max is those are also ways that you can make sure that you're hitting the zones that you need to hit um, so three to five days of a combination of moderate and vigorous intensity exercise is another way to look at it. Um, but again, anything helps and any type of activity is great. So if you absolutely hate exercise, then choose an activity that maybe you hate the least <laughs> and start with that and see. And, um, so, and and I know we're going to talk about the strength training in a minute, but the cardio part is something that, you know, finding things that you love. And that could be hiking, that could be tennis, that could be, and there's tons of things. There are no exercise or activity activity is wrong. It's just what are you going to do and have access to. Um, so you also want to include regular purposeful exercise that in, involves major muscle groups and is continuous and rhythmic in nature. So that's what we would think about in cardio. And so, um, and again, whatever that looks like for you is great. Um, so one continuous session per day or in multiple 10 minute or greater sessions to accumulate the desired duration and volume of exercise per day is just fine. So you don't have to, 30 minutes seems like too much time. If you don't have time, if that's a limitation, you can spend you know 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the day, 10 minutes in the evening, if that works well for you. So you can make that look however it needs to for you. And then gradual progression. I already mentioned that at the beginning um, of exercise volume by adjusting exercise duration, frequency, and or intensity until that goal that we mentioned is reached for you and you can maintain that. And so, um, so that's something to think about. Where are you, first of all, if you don't know, maybe keep track of it for a week, see how much time you really do um, in your week. Cause you may have these great intentions and stuff gets in the way and you think you work out five days a week, but in reality you work out three days a week. And so um, keeping track of that and seeing where you are and say, okay, I'm gonna increase this by five minutes next week or however much time and look for ways that you can make that happen. Um, but you have to know where you are first. <laughs> so. And I know that was a lot of information, but we're giving you guys options. There's options out there. You can do so many different things to meet these recommendations. And so yes, it was a lot of information, but yes, you do have so many different ways that you can do that. And so the same trend is gonna follow through with our next recommendations, which is for resistance training. Yes, resistance training. And just going back to the exercise piece and finding different ways to exercise, I like to run, but I also love pickleball. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's so fun. Yeah, I know, this is like a newfound thing that my mother-in-law showed me, and I've been doing it twice a week. That's so awesome. for all you pickleball people out there, really good agility gets your heart rate up. But we are moving on to resistance training as outlined again by ACSM. 
So resistance training, the major muscle groups, so like chest, shoulders, back, hips, legs, two to three days per week is what's recommended. At AYB, we do offer just strength-focused classes, um, nine people at the most, which gives you more one-on-one -on -one type of involvement with your trainer. So if you're looking to just work on your strength training, your form, we can definitely help with that. So come try a free class if you're interested. Um, moving on, at least 48 hours should separate workouts targeting any given muscle group. So you got to make sure you allow yourself to recover and allow your muscle to rebuild. If you break it down too much, that can also be harmful. So you want to be sure that you're not doing legs three, four days in a row. Make sure you give yourself a break and some time between muscle groups. Um, also, resistance training can improve muscular fitness. So muscular fitness means having muscles that can lift heavier objects that will work longer before becoming exhausted. Muscle fitness improves when a person does activities that build or maintain strength or that increase how long a person can use their muscles, so that endurance. Typically, 8 to 12 reps per set are completed at an intensity of between 60 and 80% of somebody's one rep max. And that one rep max is the greatest amount of resistance overcome in a single rep. So I know you probably hear a lot of people being like, I hit my one rep max of my bench press. Well, that means that they hit that one rep and then they maybe try to go for another and they couldn't do it and they failed. So that's their one rep max. So then you're basing all of your training off of that one rep max. And if this sounds like a completely different language to you, <laughs> come, come try one of our classes. It'll make a lot more sense. Um, for older and very deconditioned individuals, so maybe you hadn't worked out in a while, or maybe you're getting older, a lower intensity, 40 to 50% of a one rep max with 10 to 20 reps is recommended initially, then we can change it from there. So really less weight, a little more high rep is where we would start. For adults, each muscle group should be trained with two to four sets with rest intervals of two to three minutes between sets. And we definitely encourage that at AYB to, we do like a little bit of active recovery. I know a lot of QTEs if you're listening, which is great. Um, so we wanna be sure that you're resting between sets and that you're not speeding through things. Um, four sets are more effective than two sets. Um, including multi-joint as well as single joint exercises. So multi-joint would be like your bench press or your leg press where you're using multiple joints. Um, single joint would be like bicep curl, quad extension, those types of things. Um, increasing the amount of resistance lifted, the number of repetitions, number of sets done per muscle group, or the number of days per week the muscle groups are trained. So that's a lot of things that we can change with your resistance training. Muscular strength may be maintained by training muscle groups as little as one day per week, as long as the training intensity or the resistance lifted is held consistent. So there's lots of different ways to go about it, but if you feel like that's a lot of information. You're kind of confused where to start. Ask one of us, like Sarah said, we're all certified personal trainers, so we can definitely help with that. And that last point that you said about maintaining it as little as one day per week, as long as the resistance is held constant, I think is good to hear because we get a lot of people in here that we would label as having an all or nothing mentality. And so if they can't, if they can only work out one time per week there to them, that's a failure and it's not, you can still maintain whatever uh, strength you've built up as long as you hold that resistance and that, that um, volume the same. And so keep that in mind because just because you only have one day available to work out that week does not mean that you completely ruined your, your health journey. So, and, 
And did you know that flexibility and stretching is included in things that you should be doing for exercise? <laughs> because most people don't. Um, so I'm going to let Cassie kind of talk about that. Yes. So flexibility is the third piece of the puzzle with exercise. And so stretching activities should be included a minimum of two to three days each week for most adults, although daily flexibility exercises um, are most effective. And so um, if you can do something every day, that's great. Uh, but at least two to three days a week is what we would recommend. And um, it doesn't have to be anything um, too intense or too long. You don't have to stretch for an hour, um, but at least 10 minutes is recommended per session in order to allow all the major muscle tendon groups to be targeted with at least four repetitions of each stretch. And so um, if you aren't really sure, again, how to stretch, we do have um, a motion class that Sarah teaches twice a week. And so you could look at that. And then um, also we do some stretching at the end of you know, our classes and then um, our strength classes. Um, you can stretch after those as well. So we're happy to help with that. But stretching is really important. Um, and each flexibility exercise per joint should be held at the point of tightness and not past the point where you should go, just to where you feel that um, a little bit of tension there for 10 to 30 seconds to accumulate a total of 60 seconds of stretching. So, um, so just to give you a little bit of direction for what to do and how to do it. And there are a lot of tapes and things like people, some people like to do yoga, that kind of thing. And typically you would hit a lot of these recommendations if you did those, you know, a 10 to 15 minute yoga session, which again, they have tons of options online as well. And we have some great yoga studios here um, in Springfield and um, that you could also go check out. I am the type of person who I get super busy at home and even though 10 minutes I, I definitely could fit that in. I just always get busy doing other things. So I like to go somewhere to stretch because then I'm more focused. And so I try to hit a yoga class you know, once or twice a week. And then after I do strength training or my workout class here, I will stretch. I will spend, you know, try to spend 10 minutes stretching um, as well after those. So that keeps me accountable because if I'm at home, I've got a million things to do. Even though I love stretching, it's just, you know, making myself stop do the, doing the other yes. things. So, so again, you know, as you're thinking about these recommendations that we have for you, think about what your week looks like. Think about what your personality is like. When are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? And what's realistic for you? And, you know, also um, with the strength training, especially, I think a lot of people are intimidated by strength training, um, but it's one of those things that you can learn. And I was not an athlete growing up. I um, was not athletic at all. I'm still not athletic at all. <laughs> so I tend to fall a lot. But, um, but I have learned to move my body correctly and have gotten so much stronger with strength training and it's amazing and I have so many clients that I have taught that have improved so much and it doesn't matter how old you are you can be in your 90s you can be a hundred and still benefit from starting a strength training program so don't let your age or where you are or what you know or your athletic ability or your perceived ability to do anything stop you from starting any of this because everyone can get a benefit 
I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we have a lot of people that are intimidated in any gym setting, but our gym setting too, especially because we do have a smaller space. You can't really hide from anyone. (laughs) But if that is you, contact us. We have a lot of clients that were so nervous to even, you know, they drove by our our building forever and then finally they walked in because they got the confidence to do that. You're probably not the only one. Well, you're not because I just told you about more people that (laughs) have done that. But contact us because we don't want that to be the biggest reason why you're not doing it because exercise should be something that everyone is able to do and has the resources to be able to do. And if you are completely lost in the comments, wherever you're watching this, um, we're going to put like an example week of exercise and what that looks like. And if you have questions about any of those, just send us a message, um, let us know, and we can clarify that a little bit for you. But just so you have a general guide, we'll include that. And then um, you, I mean, there's so many free sources out there, especially post pandemic you know everything is online now YouTube has so many good resources so do a quick YouTube search for your stretching or for yoga or for bodyweight exercises at home and that's a very good starting place if you're starting you know from ground zero um, when we give you that recommendation it's going to equal the 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise two days of strength training the major muscle groups and six days of just brief flexibility training so you'll meet all of those recommendations that we just went over from for you and also Alex touched on this but substitute activities that you enjoy Cassie touched on it too because we know that exercise is hard to be sustainable and maintainable if you don't enjoy it and so that's why we attach that activity or movement with it so whether it's gardening playing tennis kicking around a soccer ball with your kids or your siblings or something else choose an activity that you want to do not one that you have to do and just focus on starting where you are at and slowly improving from there and if you are interested in getting on any more information about all of that we offer those free 30-minute nutrition and exercise consults so please let us know because we want you to be the best version of yourself and we want to help you get there if you need that help we will see you guys next week thanks for listening bye Bye. thank you